All right, here we go. Great. Hey there, I'm Nick. I'm in my 20s trying to figure out life and what faith has to do with it. I've got a lot of questions, probably very similar to the ones you've got. But here's the thing. I'm looking for a better answer, and it's difficult to find someone who can help. So I'm bringing on Kyle, a mentor of mine, who's going to help me find a better answer. You can find a better answer wherever you listen to podcasts. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi guys and welcome to another edition of the Custard TV podcast. We are back to normal service being resumed after last week's sort of uh, special episode with myself and Luke looking back at the year so far. I've also since that episode seen Stranger Things all the way through. I know someone else who has done that is definitely Dawn. Glenn, Dawn, you've watched the, the end of Stranger Things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Non-spoilery thoughts. I really liked it. I thought they did it very well. Um, and they left it. It was very unusual that they leave it on a, I suppose it's left on a cliffhanger. Um, you know, everything wasn't tied up neatly as it usually is. Uh, but I think we hit all the right notes that they needed to do. And, well, I don't, I'm don't. trying not to sound spoiler, but you'd say there weren't as many deaths as had been predicted, which was nice. No, there you go. <laughs> to me, it felt a bit like the first half of the final season rather yes. than its own thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I, um, I don't think I struggled as much with the two and a half hour final episode as I thought either. <laughs> It didn't. It didn't feel like it was that long. Yeah, it was always like, oh, I'll just I'll, I'll pause it here, and then I didn't pause it, and and it had ended before I realised. Uh, but twenty twenty four is yeah. you have to wait apparently until the till the final season. So also joining us uh, for the first time, I think this year, because um, he's a hard man to pin down. <laughs> Will Barber Taylor is on the podcast. How are you, Will? I'm doing well, Matt. It's great to be um, back on the podcast. And yes, sorry that I'm someone who's uh, hard to pin down. But I guess with the, uh, the, the the three names, it's difficult. You don't know which yeah. name to uh, to pin down. So uh, that's one of the difficulties, I think. The, you know, when Luke's not here, we don't make <laughs> a big deal about him having three names, Dawn. It's something Will always seems oh. to bring up. Uh, Luke, sorry, brings up with Will. Quickly on the podcast this week. We are covering uh, The Undeclared War uh, on Channel 4. We've got two true crime dramas from America. That is Blackbird on Apple TV Plus and The Girl from Plainfield, which is streaming on Stars Play. And finally, a bit of an odd one, The Baby on Sky Atlantic and uh, Now TV. Uh, But first, we'll get in there early and do the plugs for our various endeavours. I'll start quickly with the message that you can still vote for the Custer TV podcast in the British Podcast Awards. BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. Look up there, the Custer TV podcast. I'm sure both my colleagues have already voted. Mm -hmm. Yep. For our podcast or for your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, yeah, we're still there, and we'd we'd love you just to to give us a quick vote. You know, the the little podcasts that could against like some of the like the big productions that always seem to uh, to dominate these awards now. You know, we've been here for about 10, 11 years. You know, give us some love. And also up on the site this week, we have a uh, review of uh, the Undeclared War, which we'll be talking about shortly from Hannah. And also an article from Nick uh, about his love of Justified. As well, the podcast, you can find us on all your normal podcast apps, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you could rate, review and subscribe, that would be great. Dawn, any updates on the shipyard? Are you still on hiatus at the moment? Oh, no, we've got one, I think. Exciting! Hey, we recorded a new episode this uh, last week. We recorded uh, E in the E to the end of shipping, which was ER. Uh, it is utter chaos, so I've still to edit it down to something because we just couldn't remember anything. We're like, how do we do this again? <laughs> we are hoping to get a few recorded over the summer in the the um, off season for students, and uh, we can get them going. So next we'll be recording F for Fraser, which will be the Niles and Daphne romance, and I think we're, we've already decided for G we're going to do Gavin and Stacey and talk about this. Okay. So you did ER in the end, was that, yeah. did you say, yeah. after some debate? And who did after, you do on ER, was it? We we talked about the episode, we watched the episode where um, Carter and Lucy were stabbed. Uh, because it sort of was a, a flux period in the show where um, George Clooney had left, but um, Julianne Margulies was still there. Uh, Mark Green hadn't quite got together with Elizabeth yet. It was all very kind of in between a lot of the big, romances that were on it so it was a good sort of opportunity to well, talk I, about yeah because i know that episode really well i'm still not over it dawn um, no. <laughs> <laughs> justice for lucy uh, weren't yeah. they already together at that point because isn't it where they go on like a double date with their mum and dad right. sort of respectively yes, they are, yeah they are come, on, come on dawn come on <laughs> <laughs> and where can we find your podcast dawn where can we find the it shipyard? Is on, we are on the at the Shipyard UST, Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and on Spotify and all of your podcast platforms. And uh, Will, on your podcast, bit of a quiet week for you this week. Yeah, just <laughs> I think that's why you're here. Do you want to explain to uh, Dawn and the rest of us what your podcast is and what you what you talk about? Yeah, you know? yeah. Of course, Not yeah. No, it's, I mean, I mean, it's been incredibly quiet. Nothing really <laughs> happened at all. Yeah, nothing. Uh, no, um, the podcast that I do is debated. It's a politics podcast. So, um, hopefully, at least uh, every, every week. Though um, at the moment, it's been a bit less. It's been a bit more sporadic. I speak to a guest or guests about different aspects of politics. Um, so it's politics from the UK, which, of course, again, nothing's happened this week. No. Uh, <laughs> the US, Australia, etc. And get a guest on and speak to them about whatever political thing that they are interested in, whether that's reform to a particular part of the government, whether that's about um, immigration, whether that's about upcoming elections, all sorts of things. So it's a very um, diverse uh, political podcast and you can get that uh, similar to both of the excellent podcasts have already been plugged wherever you listen to podcasts so it's pretty much on all podcasting platforms so if you are interested in politics uh, i would highly suggest i mean i would because it's mine uh, you go <laughs> <laughs> you, you go and uh, check out the debated podcast
Well, it's, it's a bit different from a lot of the other podcasts we we plug on here. I don't think we've got another politics podcast uh, to promote, so you're on your own there. I'm sure it's a very uh, large audience base. It's not as mm-hmm. niche as uh, some of the others, uh, including ours, I suppose. And um, yeah, and I think the last time we had you on, we made a similar joke because I think it was when all the Partygate stuff was yep. kicking off, wasn't it? I think it was December last year we had you on. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, just you know a nice quiet week in politics to, to come on and uh you know not much i'm sure not much stress in in sort of things to talk about and that sort of thing but we won't we won't get into that here because we are a, a haven from uh, from what's going on in the world this could be a podcast don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those uh definitely not anyone with a computer can make one this is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. This was something that popped up on Twitter, I think it was last weekend, Dawn, because I know myself and you both replied to it at the time. But the, the tweet was essentially from a, um, a professor, I believe she teaches a TV writing course. And the question she posed was, you're teaching a TV writing course. What's the five perfect shows you assign to your students uh, to study? Uh, and I think a lot of us took this in a different way, having had a chat with Luke about this. I think he more looked at it, the shows you think are the, the most perfectly written, things that you would champion. For me, I saw it more as sort of examples of different shows, perfect shows that you could say, this is how you write this genre, this is how you write this genre. The lady's name, by the way, is Danielle Nikki at Danielle Nikki on Twitter. Dawn, I'll go to you first, because I know you re- responded to this at the time, but then you said um, you've changed your mind. So what what were yeah. your shows? I listed initially Mum, the Detectress, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the 2000 series, uh, Stranger Things, and Firefly, but I, I decided to scrap Firefly because I realised I'd forgotten to include Dinner Ladies, which I think is the best written comedy of all time. So I've swapped out Firefly for Dinner Ladies. Uh, I really could have done five sitcoms because the ones that I'm more drawn to looking at the writing of them, whereas dramas, you know, as you said, I was try, trying to think, well, think of different genres. And I just, I'm not quite as keyed into drama writing so mm-hmm. I couldn't really think of, of perfect examples and I think a lot of them I, know, I saw a lot of people that replied were saying you know the first series of such and such and you know you could have done that but I was trying to think of just tv shows that were start to finish got it right and mm-hmm. ended at the right time which obviously is a huge thing because <laughs> that's the thing isn't it with tv are you just showing bits and sort of because what how I looked at it was sort of the over thing and what it was trying to achieve from the writing what about you will what did you go for um so the way i approached it i think i think i was similarly thinking you know oh well it would be good to look at it as sort of like you know the whole show as such but um, one of my choices was very specific in (laughs) that it was um doctor (laughs) who during russell t davis's first stab as being showrunner the series one to four i think that's the sort of almost an imperfect uh, encapsulation of how to write um, good science fiction in a way that's really appealing to like a mass audience and how to sort of revive a classic TV show. So that was one of mine that's sort of like <laughs> a better approach, a better rule of just taking it as a whole thing. Um, the other ones that I chose were Cracker, Last Tango in Halifax, Morse, and perhaps a slightly offbeat 
choice, but I think in terms of how best to write a TV show that evolved from a drama into uh, more of a soap, Heartbeat, which I think is certainly <laughs> a choice that I doubt anyone would be expecting to hear. That's a choice. It's definitely a choice. Because <laughs> that ran for, what, 20 years or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a long course there. But yeah, some, some interesting choices there, definitely. Um, for me... As Dawn said, I, I did sacrifice one. Luckily, she she kept it in her list, which was Mum. But what I went for was The Wire, because as it goes on, it's a perfect example of how every season sort of build on what comes before, create that sort of world of, of Baltimore. I did Six Feet Under, which was sort of, I had as like a domestic drama, but obviously they had the death of the week in that, and it was sort of had dark humour running throughout it. I had Life on Mars, um, because it sort of blends sort of the cop drama with more, more sort of sci-fi fantasy elements. Community, because the sort of the sitcom premise, it's quite small, but then they, they branched out into having like these meta-narratives, the, like the claymation episodes, the paintball episodes, and one for sort of Will's themes, uh, Drop the Dead Donkey, I went for, because their writing there, they actually wrote... Some of it really close to the wire because they had all the topical news references in there and sort of the fast paced dialogue that they use. And I thought it was sort of a very varied list there. So very interesting uh, topic that that was explored. I mean, I I don't know how many replies. I mean, it's got 15.3k quote tweets at the moment on that. (laughs) Wow. Be interesting to collate it and see which shows Mm -hmm. cropped up the most. I think The Wire, on all the ones I saw, The Wire did show up a lot. One that was mentioned that I didn't think of, and then, but when I saw it, I thought, oh, yeah, was Ghost Watch, which is a perfect mm-hmm. example of a specific kind of how to do that. Nobody did it as well on television. Uh, Inside Number 9 did it, uh, sort of, again, quite recently, to make you believe something is real, but it's a drama. I think Ghost Watch was a, a perfectly written and, and played so that, it was totally believable by all these celebrities. I think yeah. that's a good example of a, a one-off specific kind of thing. The uh, lady herself said her students specifically will be studying Breaking Bad, I May Destroy You, Ozark, oh, yeah. the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and um, one you'd be pleased about, Dawn, Abbott Elementary. Yay! I, I would put that in there, but I just feel it's too young at the moment. You know? <laughs> it's, per- it's perfect so far, but it's only had 13 episodes, so I'll wait and see, <laughs> reserve judgment for the rest of it. But... Writing on a postcard, what would your be <laughs> listening <laughs> Talking telly on the Custard TV podcast. Doesn't that sound exciting to you? Let's do it! Ready? Here we go. We will start the uh, the reviews portion now. And we will be starting with the Undeclared War. This is sort of a holdover from not doing a uh, podcast last week. Uh, this debuted, I believe, on the 30th of June. It's airing uh, weekly on Thursdays on Channel 4, but it's also uh, all available now on all four. Um, and because it's got a skewed sort of politics-wise, we've got Will on, uh, who's just going to talk us through the, the basic plot. So uh, the Undeclared War um, is written and directed by Peter Kosminski, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, um, who also wrote Brits about, what must be, God, 13 or 14 years ago um, with Riz Ahmed, which was excellent, and was also... When you say the, a few years ago, 2007. 
Yeah. <laughs> 15 years like, ago. All right, 15 years ago. All right, 15 years ago. Okay, so a few years, 15, yeah. Um, and also uh, adapted um, Wolf Hall and wrote um, The State more recently. So we've got a, a track record of writing um, compelling drama that has a, a political theme. And The Undeclared War is essentially about what would happen in, in the near future as to what would happen if Britain faced a major cyber attack and it opens with a sequence that I actually thought was a, a homage to bone kickers with the um, going down the wall and <laughs> I love your references here because you know I think you're, you're the oldest 24 year old that I know just referencing like shows from the mid 2000s bone kickers that, that to me... I watched bone kickers when it aired and it was great so <laughs> really great wow Great in a very specific way. <laughs> okay. Was it an archaeology yeah. crime-solving thing? With yeah. was it Hugh Bonneville and... Yeah. and Adrian Lester, who of course is also in um, oh, the Undeclared War. So there is a, a very neat uh, link there. <laughs> As I said, the the opening when um, Hannah Callick Brown's character Sarah Parvin. Uh, was going down the wall and, and opening the, the brick, I thought, oh, this is like bone kickers. That was my immediate thought. Uh, but actually, um, she was uh, taking a, a test, a hacking test, and this was a, a, a visualisation of her um, attempting to uh, decode a particular uh, piece of code in order to enter into a, an internship with uh, GHCQ. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. And um, unfortunately, <laughs> her internship uh, times with a major attack, a major cyber attack on the UK, um, which leaves everybody, including the um, recently appointed prime minister, uh, played by Adrian Lester, Andrew McKindy, uh, in a bit of a flap because he's not very popular at the moment. And there's a recession going on. And now um, everyone can't access their computers or they can only access social media. They can't access um, a lot of other things. So there's a great deal of panic. And that's the first episode, essentially. It wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. The focus on um, Sarah, it's more her story. I thought it was going to be something a bit more like, you know, the series Cobra, which was much mm. more about government and how they tackle things. But this is much more of a personal story of her making an, a, a, a place for herself and her family situation and the way that she's being overlooked and the more experienced hackers are like, you know, uh, yeah, okay, sure, you found something. Okay, then. <laughs> because she's a young woman, you know, and, and, and as the guy who introduces her says, uh, you know, you notice we're all white men. 
and she's obviously pale, and, pale stale and male i believe is the yes. phrase there <laughs> and i don't know if this was deliberate but i got a lot of the characters confused <laughs> because they were all just sort of 30 something men with stubble <laughs> yeah if they weren't famous actors then you didn't really recognize them yes that's exactly <laughs> it um I have, I have to say i know this is an ongoing problem for channel four but yeah i did note it there were no subtitles for this at all on all four hmm. which was really unhelpful to me i, I always watch the subtitles and, and my husband is hard of hearing uh, hearing aids so it's i really missed that so i think that is an issue that channel four really, really have to get sorted if one of their biggest dramas of the year has no subtitle that's a big issue yeah i did enjoy i i ended up actually watching uh, uh four episodes unintentionally okay. <laughs> because that was a surprise then, i have to say <laughs> Um, I think episode three is the one that's on Channel 4 this week. Um, mm. And it, that episode takes place entirely in Russia. And we see the Russian side of things. And we see sort of how alike in some ways it is to, to Sarah's story. Um, and I think that I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I liked that what we were seeing was a story of how people are getting to these situations and how involved they are when they don't necessarily have to be when it's your government call in the uk maybe you can say no but even then can you really say no but obviously in russia uh you can't um (laughs) (laughs) i really liked what you brought up uh will about the visualization of how how they looked through the when they were hacking how they visualized it i thought that was really good because otherwise it is a lot of boring text on screen that most of us have no clue what it means yeah and so to show someone breaking through walls and finding something and you know the visualization of that i thought that was a good help to help you get into that aspect because all things computer is very hard to depict on tv and not just be boring gobbledygook what about you will because i think i thought this might be up your street we obviously had the adrian lester prime minister character yeah as they mentioned, there was sort of a, a bloody coup there with mm-hmm. uh, from Boris Johnson about 15 months earlier. Uh, we didn't see a great deal of him on screen. There was one, as, as Dawn mentioned, there was a, a Cobra meeting in here, which was possibly his most on-screen time. Uh, what did you make of that aspect of it and the and the sort of the series as a whole? I mean, what I've seen so far, I thought it was interesting, as um, Dawn said, and as I said in the intro, I think the visualisation aspect of the of the coding and the hacking was really well done, and it helped make it seem a bit more um, exciting and engaging, as opposed to a lot of people just sitting at computers, just typing on a keyboard, which, you know, not have been the, the, the best way to, <laughs> to film a TV drama, if that had been the case. Um, in terms of the sort of the presentation of the, the the politics and the Cobra stuff I thought that was all done well I mean Adrian Lester is a, a phenomenal actor he's been in loads of great stuff and he's always impressive and always able to fully embed himself in the character I think that he really did seem like someone you could imagine as prime minister in a, in a sort of like in a political thriller I, I, I thought it was a, a a good drama an interesting one but I think sometimes part of the problem with doing these kind of political thriller dystopia type dramas is often when we kind of like want to watch drama we want it as something that is um, an escape as such from like everyday life and I think at times this felt 
a little bit all too real um, with mm. what's happened over the past <laughs> few years. So I, I don't know how much that will affect viewers in wanting to watch it and feeling like, oh, God, this is just like watching the news. <laughs> but, yeah, no, overall, I thought it was a, an interesting drama, but perhaps not the most compelling political thriller that's ever been made. No, certainly in this first episode, it was a lot of numbers, wasn't it? And mm. sort of jargon. And even with that vis- visualisation that you both talked about, I have to say I found a lot of those scenes quite dull. I liked the Sarah character, but would mm. have possibly liked to have spent more time with her. I think she was a, a sort of intriguing lead in that she was very introverted didn't know where to be didn't know where to stand the person she connected with most in her family was her father played by um I, the actor is it Nitin Ganatra oh who, yeah from um, East Sanders <laughs> yeah <laughs> as, as we know him who I believe was also in the state will wasn't he I think he yes. was one of them yeah he appeared in that and he you know we meet him in the scene after she's been recruited for this work experience and we get the impression he has some mental health issues and obviously he he dies in the first episode and I would have liked to have seen more with her possibly away from work because that you know sort of for me definitely I sort of look more for the human side of things as I say I think the most compelling scene was when all the characters were in that cobra room and there was the character who was saying well you know it took the work experience girl to find this and you all were meant to be qualified and I mean what did you guys make to Simon Pegg he's the other big thing in this you know this is the first sort of they they were billing this is his first sort of proper dramatic role he I know I saw him on the one show sort of touting that what did you guys make to him in this it feels like anybody could have played the character that he's playing. He, he's Sarah's boss. He basically just sort of crops up and says, oh, do this, don't do this, you know, don't keep pursuing this, or do keep, you know, look at this. It's a kind of nothing role. So mm. I can't, re- I don't really feel like I can judge his, his acting, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, there wasn't a lot to the character, I suppose, is what you're saying. It's yeah. sort of very come in, deliver some exposition and leave, certainly from the first episode. Is that sort of how he remains, almost? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Because they were, I don't know if either of you saw the sort of initial promotion for this, where they they did just before Gogglebox is where I saw it, whereas Adrian Lester and Simon Pegg sort of playing these characters and and delivering sort of a, almost like a doomsday type announcement. Mm. Because yeah. that would suggest yeah. these are the stars. And then you've got, yeah. uh, you know, quite a, a, I mean, I haven't looked up her sort of her prior role. So, uh, but the actress who who's playing Sarah is someone who, you know, isn't particularly known to say, you know, against Simon Pegg. And, yeah. I think she's done yeah, quite so, a bit of theatre, but not too much TV. Mark Rylance uh, turns up, I think, in the second episode. And he plays a really interesting character. He's like um, uh, another guy who, who works in, in GCHQ. Um, he's obviously on the spectrum in some way, with very big social issues, but genius. And she befriends him and he sort of becomes her replacement father figure. And she goes to him for help quite often. To me, he is, what, is the leading male character, I thought. Um, and obviously Mark Rylance, Rylance is a, an amazing actor. He's, you know, almost unrecognisable, as he often is in his role. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really enjoyed that part. I think 
The second episode is much more about Sarah's personal life and right. who she is and, and everything that's going on. Which is why I felt it was it was a bit sort of bait and switch. The first episode is so political, then the second episode is much more personal, and then it goes back to political again. So it's a bit. Would you have done them the other way around then? Do you think or? I think so. Yeah, I think I would have, have, have spent more time with Sarah to get to know her and her whole situation, as you say, with her boyfriend. And there's another um, female, a black American female mm. agent there. Yeah. There's a lot more of her as well. That's, I, I, found, I found that really interesting. They, their relationship, I thought, was really interesting and, and more more interesting than the political stuff. I think what you're saying, Will, is, is right, that as a political drama, it's not that impressive. Mm. But as a personal drama, I found it more enjoyable. And I'm guessing because you've only got a couple of episodes left, you're going to stick with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> Um, I mean, I feel it's something that I definitely uh, like to give another go just to see where it progresses. But it's not something that I think is really sort of like drawing me in and and, and sort of like, you know, I have to watch like the the, the next episode. It's, it's certainly something that I will um, give another go, but maybe when I'm not watching something else. I struggled a lot with this. I think I felt I would have preferred to watch the political thriller with Adrian Lester uh, rather than all the sort of the geeks behind the scenes trying to sort of it, essentially at the end of the day it's people trying to stop some malware from getting out isn't it and mm. and I didn't find that as much as Kaminsky and his other writers tried I didn't find that engaging in the least yeah. and maybe as Dawn said if they'd swapped it around and we had more of Sarah to begin with then there might have been more for me to sort of be compelled by but as it was I think I'm going to be one and done. But as I say, it's Thursday nights, Channel 4, I think 9pm, and all on all four now. Apple TV Plus uh, is a, a drama called Blackbird. First two episodes are on there now, and then I believe there's another four episodes they're going to be airing weekly. This is being developed by uh, the crime writer Dennis Lehane, who wrote um, quite a lot of novels that have gone on to be adapted into films such as Mystic River and Shutter Island. Uh, he also uh, wrote for The Wire. Here he's adapted the 2010 memoir called In With The Devil by uh, Jimmy Keane, here played by Taron Edgerton, who's this sort of career criminal, drug dealer, owns a lot of weapons. There's a there's a exchange early on with another drug dealer where um, a friend almost gets killed. Uh, his life changes quite uh, radically when his apartment is raided by the FBI. He thinks he's going to make a plea deal with the DA because his dad, who's played by uh, the late Ray Liotta, says, you know, if you make this plea, you'll probably get four years. You'll be out in three with good behaviour. Uh, but when he takes the plea, it ends up him getting 10 years in prison. Uh, several months into the sentence, he's met by uh, Agent Lauren McCauley, who offers him a deal to say, you know, you could be released if you can coax a confession from uh, this guy called Larry Hall, who is a man with learning disabilities. He may be responsible for the deaths of up to 14 girls, I think it is. Yeah. He's sort of like this serial confessor to murders, but they found one of the bodies and they think Jimmy might be able to get Larry to confess to where another of the bodies is buried. Uh, but to do this, he'll have to go to a maximum security prison that houses primarily criminally insane inmates, 
We also get flashbacks regarding how sort of Larry came to be linked to this these murders. We meet a detective played by Greg Kinnear, who's sort of leading this case. Sort of in the present, we've got Jimmy wrestling with his decision about whether to accept this case and um, sort of his decision changes when he learns that his father suffered a stroke and he might not see him uh, before his 10-year sentence is, is up. Interesting sort of real-life story here. We, this is the first of two we'll be looking at. Uh, Will, I'll go to you first on this one. What what did you make to Blackbird? I thought it was interesting, particularly in contrast to um, the Undeclared War, because in the Undeclared War, um, you have the threat of malware taking over an entire country and taking down its internet and it's it's kind of a threat that in a way is difficult to like visualize as such and, and difficult to conceptualize in many ways i mean it's something we all uh, are afraid of but it's not something that we could all necessarily picture whereas i think in blackbird you've got a, sin- a situation which is very easy um to picture having to make a deal um to buy your freedom and as a part of that deal you're put in somewhere that is incredibly <laughs> dangerous and, and, and potentially life-threatening and you're having to try to make friends with someone who um, may be a um, multiple murderer so I think instantly you've got a, a a situation a threat that the audience can engage with a bit more just on a personal level I think it's easier for us to all um, imagine what it would be like to be in a, in a prison like that and have to do something like that versus you know the whole internet shutting down which is a bit more of a sort of like a a, a conceptual idea and a conceptual threat. Um, I mean, I thought that Taron Edgerton's um, central performance, I thought, was very compelling. The overall presentation of it and the overall sort of... The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Feeling of it was very intense and interesting as a sort of like a true crime drama in, in contrast to the other one we'll be talking about in a, a bit, um, The Girl from Plainsville, which was, was very different in the same sort of like intensity if you see what i mean the i I think the intensity in in that drama was not quite the same as this in 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 this you know you could almost feel like you were in the uh the prison with him so i thought it was a a, an an interesting drama um and certainly one that i will remember and 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 want to watch more of i was a bit i think we needed to spend a little bit more time with jimmy maybe Mm. before He got arrested because I don't think it was particularly clear what I suppose we knew as a drug dealer and, you know, and he had all these weapons, but we didn't really spend that much time with him. You know, we saw him have a one night stand with this waitress. It it was sort of very bitty on the whole. And there was the suggestion that dad was sort of corrupt or, you know, because he was a 
a copper, but you know, there there was a suggestion that he'd sort of followed him into a certain lifestyle, but that really wasn't sort of picked up on very much. It seemed like we needed to rush to get to this key concept, which was this deal where he eventually, and I think it happened somewhere in the middle of the second episode, he goes to this prison and interacts with Larry. There's also the flashback scenes, which needed to be interspersed in here. And um, as I said, with Greg Kinnear playing this detective, Brian Miller, which from what I've seen of it, reminded me of the first season of True Detective a mm. little bit. Yeah. You know, I think it was it was shot differently. The scenes were lighter. I suppose we were a lot more exterior shots than, you know, with Jimmy, where we're mainly in the prison or in his apartment or, you know, indoors. I don't know if you guys watched past the first episode, but I only watched the first one. I think where it went, oh, I might continue with this, is where Paul Walterhauser came on screen as Larry. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if either of you have seen him in anything else, because I, I, I know him from I, Tonya and from Richard Jewell. Yeah, uh, well, I've, I've seen Richard Jewell, yeah. Richard Jewell, yeah. And he plays in that a very much a sort of similarly... He doesn't have sort of all his faculties, but he's very much in that a a lovable character but one who's sort of implicated in in an incident which you know he it was all about like a hero complex wasn't it and and people being suspicious of him because of his nature whereas in this he's playing it very much like there is something there you know he's got those tendencies people have not believed him in the past because of of his manner but he plays it really with a with a sinister edge and abiding theme of most of this week's shows for me was this sort of unsettling feeling that I got at certain points and certainly from his performance here I did get that feeling and I think you're waiting really for those two to get together because the contrast in those characters is so vast also Taron Egerton here playing very different character to what we normally you know he we know him as sort of Eddie the Eagle and Elton John in Rocket Man. Here he's sort of very buff, very suave. But, you know, you've got to believe he's Ray Liotta's son. <laughs> and actually, you know, I thought he did a good job. And obviously Ray Liotta, one of his final roles, when he came on, the couple of times we saw him, you know, he lit up the screen and just sort of made you remember what a, what a good actor he was and sort of what a tragic loss it was earlier this year. What about you, Dawn? I, I felt like it was a bit like two different shows. You know, as mm. you said, that the flashback stuff was very near. It's filmed so differently. And I found I was more interested in that aspect and him, how he sort of got onto the case and, and started to connect the idea of these murders. But when it first started, I thought it was a bit like The Kingsman or something like that, with Taron Edison is this very uh, charismatic, but, you know, but a criminal. But he was he's supposed to be a good criminal in the sense that he gave a lot of money to charity. And as you said, there is the hint in one of the phone calls with his father that he started going down this line of selling drugs to make money to help his father. He was so big, you know, he's so charming, so... It did feel like it was like a James Bond type thing, but a criminal. Mm. And then it was so dramatically different. It was very gentle and quiet in the the Greg Greer scene felt a bit sort of old-fashioned. But as you say, I think the the very interesting part will be when these two worlds collide and when uh, Jimmy does go and, and in, become involved into his life in the in the prison and how he presumably manages to get some kind of 
confession with them and a friendship with them and does it become a genuine friendship i, I mean i don't know i only watched one episode mm. <laughs> you'll be proud of me um, <laughs> I, I felt like i'd watched more because there was so much in that first episode but as you see bitty a mm. lot of different threads and none of them were focused on enough i didn't feel compelled to watch the next one are, are either of you going to or yeah yeah, I think I think I'll watch the um the next one, the second part. Dawn? I don't know. I might. <laughs> I, I think I think the challenge here, you know, adapting this this memoir is that there there's sort of so much to set up before mm. we get yeah. to these two guys in prison together and the and yeah. the main crux of the story. Uh that I I, I felt like it, it it rushed to get him into prison, rushed to, and, and I did feel certain things got lost along the way. And, and you know, you're, you're right, Dawn, about the Greg Kinnear scenes. And the other thing that that I that I didn't like at all was um, this character of, of Lauren McCauley, played by Sepita Moafi, I think the actress's name is. Her interactions with Jimmy were so weird. It was almost a little bit too cute, like, you know, her sort yeah. of bantering with him you know the first time she meets him when they come in you know the apartment range is like what have you been up to Jimbo it felt a little bit incongruous from the rest of the characters in this I don't know did, did you either of you yeah. have that opinion yeah yeah you know in, in a, a different drama this would be an obvious setup of oh they're going to get together but yeah <laughs> I'm assuming not <laughs> <laughs> well you never know but I did start the second episode because I, but I, I ran out of time to watch it. But there is a sort of extended scene between those two characters where she's almost like auditioning him for the role to go into, to, you know, to go into this prison because, you know, he does accept it, and then she says, "Well, you're not the only person we asked." And again, that was like, okay, like it was a bit off-putting. I think there was the feeling as well that they wanted to almost give it the hint of like a, an older crime drama the the opening credits were all these like faded sequences we've got mogwai doing the music as well we i haven't heard from them in, in, that's a that's a blast from the past but apple tv they were hitting sort of them out of the park earlier in the year and then we've had a couple recently i know dawn you were on for now and then which we didn't enjoy at all and the other week we, we reviewed Loot, which we were all a bit lukewarm on. But six episodes, it's sort of a true story. I think the the performances from Paul Waterhauser and, and Ray Liotta specifically are very good. But I don't think it ever wowed me, I think, is, is the way to put it. I think I, I was never bored by it, but it didn't stand out in any way. I think that's what I would say. This is the Custard TV Podcast. True crime again, <laughs> true crime <laughs> drama. Um, now with uh, the girl from Plainfield. This is on Stars Play. We've we've uh, talked about that Stars Play a couple of times before. It's a really annoying sort of app inbuilt within Amazon Prime. You have to sort of dig into. We've talked about. I think High Fidelity was on there before. And was it Station Eleven? I think that was the name of the uh, the, the show. Um, this is uh, starring Elle Fanning and Chloe Sevigny. And Dawn will just walk us through uh, the basics of this one. This is the story of uh, Michelle Carter, who's a 17-year-old girl living in Plainville, Massachusetts. She has a boyfriend, Conrad Roy III, who lives in another town of can't remember the name of it, but a couple of hours away, I presume, 
they met while on both were on holiday with family in Florida. In the interim time, they had a text relationship. Well, this is, I think it's 2014 it starts in. And we discovered at the very start that uh, Conrad sadly takes his own life uh, in a, his truck. He gasses himself. I don't know what the correct term of it is. She's obviously devastated. But very quickly, you realise that there's something different about the relationship. She's devastated, but her family say, you, you never even said this boy's name. We've never heard of him before. Who's Conrad? His family don't know her either. His mother uh, is played by the amazing uh, Chloe Sabine. Elle Fanning plays uh, Michelle Carter. And apparently, not that I've actually seen it, but apparently she frighteningly looks like the uh, real girl. The police who uh, is leading the investigation into uh, Conrad's death starts to look into his phone and realises that he has deleted almost all his conversations except the ones with Michelle and when he gets everything recovered he discovers that Michelle over the the length of their relationship has been encouraging him to commit suicide and in fact on the day he does she's actively telling him to do it so he starts looking into it and we see the story of Michelle What's going on with her? Is she a narcissist? Is she a sociopath? Is it all just she just wants attention? You know, Facebook likes her motivating factor, it seems. And to complicate matters, Conrad had depressive episodes and had attempted suicide in the past. As it goes on, we see more of the uh, investigation and then starts to look at suspicion at her. Is she culpable uh, in his death? The town he was from was sort of very yeah. much working class. You know, she's very, yeah. I think that's it. She's very middle class. He's quite working class. I know certainly the accent Chloe Seveny was doing was sort of almost Boston-like, wasn't it? And he works on the tugboats with his father. They're very much this family that goes to the, the country for, for holidays and what have you. Luke mentioned this one and he was more aware of the real life case uh, than certainly I was. I'd, I'd not heard of this before. Um, Will, what did you make to this one? I enjoyed it. As, as I said um, with the, the previous um, drama, the previous true crime drama, I think there are different kinds of intensity um, with this. Whereas with Blackbird, the feeling of intensity, the dramatic intensity uh, is built upon the fact that, you know, we, we have sort of drama happening in these quite closed surroundings in the prison. Whereas this, I felt it was almost sort of like a creeping sense of dread as we sort of like slowly unraveled the amount of influence that she had perhaps um, had on him and the direction that she had uh, sent him in towards um, taking his own life and I, and I think as, as as Dawn said there's obviously the complications with that he had um, suffered from depression before and that he had uh, attempted to uh, take his own life before so it made it very much for me interesting as sort of like a messy emotional drama in that as you're watching it you're feeling well what could it be that had driven her to do that and I, and and that was one of the things that that made me want to continue watching it it just seemed so strange in a way that you know she would seemingly have this compulsion to to encourage him to to take his own life and 
was sort of like a different type of um, true crime drama because quite often with true crime um, dramas it's obviously about serial killers and people who've killed horrifically whereas th- this was different in mm. that it wasn't sort of like the your traditional true crime drama if, if you see what I mean and, and I think that gave it an edge over um, some of the other similar dramas in the in the genre that we've seen over the past few years yeah definitely i mean did either of you see um something called the act which was on a few years ago no no and that was um again true crime it was uh, patricia Arquette and joey king was a young actress that was about i think it was gypsy rose blanchard is the name of the girl who killed her mother her mother had made her believe that she had all these illnesses that mm. she didn't have and I think it was her and her boyfriend that she managed to get. And it was similar to that to me. I mean, she obviously has issues as well, Michelle. And, they, you know, I think that's part of the reason that when we see in the second episode them meeting in, in Florida, that's where they bond a little bit. And, I, I, you know, I did ask both of you to watch the second episode because we see a lot more of, of Conrad or, or Coco, as they call him, uh, from time to time as well and Colton Ryan's performance as as Conrad I think he was excellent actually and it, it was good to see like what he was like you know he's not just this sort of looming figure Elle Fanning's performance in this for me was absolutely I mean I actually there's that scene at the end of the first episode where we see her sort of mimicking a scene from Glee mm. and yeah it was it actually made me like properly shiver like the mm. intensity that she gave to that scene you know as, as you said um i don't know who one of you said about his sort of sociopathic tendencies you got it there you and 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 she wants this attention she sort of craves it you know you get the impression that she's not particularly well liked you know every time she approaches um people at school or people you know her her peers there's these looks on their faces that oh here comes michelle you know there's a scene where she asked them all out for her birthday and then she gets this string of texts of, of cancellations you know she organizes mm. this softball game and gives this impassioned speech as you said nobody really knew about michelle and comrade's relationship and so when she announces it to her parents that she's there like who's this and as you said will all those little aspects are very different from the true crime story that we get actually as well another thing that that reminded me of the act is that chloe Sevigny was also in that she was played like the neighbor but here again her portrayal of this woman struggling to to cope with her son's suicide and this odd girl who's sort of come into her life as well uh, i i agree i think that l fanning is amazing in it because it, it's not just a simple oh she's just a psychopath she's you know there are moments where you see, no, she is actually, when they meet and, and bond, you can see that it's a completely genuine relationship they have. Mm. And she opens up to him that, yes, she's had her own mental health problems, but we don't know exactly what they are. And also has a difficult relationship with her parents. They're a bit sort of cold and uncaring. You know, when she says she wants to go to his funeral, they say, oh, we're, we're leaving for holiday. We're not putting off for this boy's funeral, which admittedly they didn't know him but if that's your daughter's boyfriend you you would think you would have compassion and then at the end of the second episode where she breaks down in the car she just seems to have a moment where she it suddenly hits her that he really is dead and she has been a part of it and she texts a confession to one of her friends there's a character Susie we don't see who messages her to say um 
I'm sorry about what happened. And we see Michelle repeatedly write something and then delete it and not send it in reply to that. And it seems like it's someone she was friends with. And there is a hint of something because her mother said, it seems like this is like what happened before. So there's a lot of intrigue of, of things dropped to, to reveal more about her character and what her motivation, why she got to this point. And, and as you say, Colton Ryan plays Connor. It's fantastic. Even though he doesn't have a huge amount to do, he just wants to be a teenage boy. And he has this anxiety which presses down on him and his parents don't know how to deal with it. And it, it's something that I know um, people very close to me have uh, teenage sons with mental health problems. And it's so difficult because they don't talk, because they'll just shut themselves away, how to deal with it. You know, you, they still misbehave and you have to punish them. But how can you punish them without making this worse? You know, he, he leaves his, his little sister to go off with this girl. And you think, you know, he, his father becomes really violent and, and, and unpleasant. So we think, would this, you know, is this played into it? I thought the, the, all the dynamics of the family were really, really interesting. I don't know how much we're going to see of the court case eventually, but I certainly am interested in watching this uncovering of, of who they are and, and who who Michelle is and why she's got to this point. I think it's definitely one I would keep watching. The only only sort of slight criticism I would have, and it's a, I suppose it's a necessary evil as part of the plot, but the lead investigator in this sort I felt him found him very bland. The investigation aspect of this yeah. was possibly the weakest thread possibly because the characters surrounding it were so intriguing and so layered that every time you saw this bald detective pop up trying to sort of just read through this massive text thread it, it just sort of slowed things down a little bit but yeah. that is very much a minor niggle and we've sung her praises before Elle Fanning uh, the great is uh, due to come back later this month which again is a completely different performance and she's so versatile and I, I you know the end of episode one for me, it was just horrifying. But in a, you know, when you realise that she is sort of mimicking this and trying to learn how to show grief in a way, isn't it? Learn how to yeah. emote. You know, this is a definite recommend. I think from all of us, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Uh, on Stars Play now. Finally, um, something completely different this week. <laughs> It's uh, The Baby on uh, Sky Atlantic. I believe this is all on Now Now. Oddly, for a British production, this is already aired in the States on HBO. Uh, the story focuses on um, Natasha. She's 38 years old. She's a chef. She's having a poker night with her friends. Mags, who has a, a young child who, who she brings to this night and has to sort of, you know, leave to look after and then and then brings the child into sort of the game they're playing we've also got rita who's played by izzy sutty and and they learn that she's pregnant and natasha's immediate response is you know you're early enough to still get an abortion then uh, natasha and rita sort of fall out natasha goes on a sort of there's a staycation to a cabin uh sort of this remote cabin on the shore uh we've seen sort of the other side of this scene early on where the police are chasing a young woman who's carrying a baby, we assume her own baby, and she jumps from the cliff. The other side of this, then, we see the baby fall literally into uh, Natasha's arms. 
Natasha then passes the baby off to the two policemen who was following this lady, but they die crashing their car into a cliff, I think. Is that right? Or does something fall on them? A boulder falls on them. boulder falls on them, that's right. Apologies. Yeah, so a boulder falls on them. She then tries to take the baby into the police station. She briefly thinks about leaving it with a petrol station owner, but he also ends up dying when a shell falls on him. By and by, we learn that this sort of baby isn't what he seems. Eventually, even though she's handed the baby off to the police, baby then reappears on her doorstep. Uh, We journey further into the story. It appears that Natasha isn't the first woman to have this similar experience with this infant. And and we get the impression she has to learn about, you know, where this baby's come from, basically, before she suffers the same fate as those who've had care of the baby in the past. Now, this is billed differently as like a horror or a horror comedy. It plays on certain aspects of Natasha's own character, not wanting to have a child, not having that same desire as her two friends. Dawn, as as the token woman this week on the podcast, (laughs) talk me through your thoughts on the baby. Speak for all of womanhood. Yes, please. (laughs) I watched the first five episodes. I did get dragged. We're back to normal then. (laughs) Yeah, back to normal. It wasn't at all what I thought it was. When it began, I thought it was going to be very sort of hot fuzz-esque. Dark humour, but also kind of silly. But it wasn't. It actually was quite serious. And the more I watched it, the more it became um, very prescient of what's going on in America at the moment. Uh, you know, um, the uh, anti-abortion stuff. And it's a, a big metaphor for what happens when you have a baby. And this mysterious older woman appears. She's the one who lets her know this has happened to other women before. And and she says, this baby will isolate you from everybody you know. It will drive you insane and then you will die. It's a bit like what happens when you have a child. You, you become completely isolated from everyone. Everything is all about the baby. And, you know, your lack of sleep, you start hallucinating. And this is a really dark depiction of that in a way that she feels like she's completely out of her debt she's no idea what's going on how to look after the baby what to do but with this much sort of i don't know if you would call it satanic or you know there is a very funny um thing in that when we see the petrol attendant he's he's doing a a crossword and one of the the last word we see him writing in is rosemary you know a a good callback (laughs) to rosemary's baby it's it's very interesting very unusual but i can't think of something i would say that was similar to it uh and michelle de Suarte, i don't know how you pronounce her name mm. this is the first first thing i've seen her in I, she's a stand-up but, primarily isn't she yes. i believe yeah i saw her on backstage with Catherine ryan just the other week and that was the first time I've, i'd ever seen her in, inter- in anything but i thought she's really very good as as the lead in it because it's 90 percent of it is just her and the baby mm. she's really good at the kind of stressed out you know this is not my life <laughs> i don't want this life and uh how we sh- how she coped with it and the uh, i i thought she was she was the, the the best thing in it i i do think it was interesting anyway <laughs> and again very unsettling you know yes, as you say it's just this actress and um i believe it's twin boys playing this baby and i think that yes. performance is <laughs> a smile at this time you know it, i i don't know how long they have to spend with the twins to get the desired looks you know and 
It's, it is a very interesting metaphor. And as you say, it's different from anything else on TV. I believe another thing is that there's a, it's sort of a all-female sort of creative team behind this as well. Um, Will, what about you? What right. do you make of the baby? Um, I think, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything that um, you and, and Dawn said. To me, it felt like it's kind of like a mix between a almost like a very black uh, black human, dark human sitcom with sort of like an episode of The Twilight Zone. It had a sort of like a very compelling difference, as, as, as I think Dawn rightly pointed out, a, a complete difference from any other thing that um, I've seen recently or anything that I, you know, I think has been produced on, on TV in this kind of genre for the, for the past few years. It treads the line very, very well between having that dark humour, but also making a serious point as well. And I think it does it very, very well because it would be so easy for it to slide on one, one side too much and sort of like not be balanced. But it seemed perfectly balanced to me the way that it handles both, of, uh, as Dawn said, a sort of a, a serious issue in a, in, in a metaphorical way and also um, the comedy as well. So I, I enjoyed it as well. I haven't watched as, as much as Dawn yet, so I need to um no, need to catch yeah. up. I need to catch up. But yeah, I I, um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, this was a definite surprise for me. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know what to expect going in. And I think actually to tie it back to what we were talking about at the start, this would be a good example of TV writing again, because mm. they've yeah. used that they've used the medium here to as you say, like a compelling, timely story, as you say, with what's going on with uh, Roe v. Wade in the States at the moment. It's incredibly timely, again, oddly tight, like the undeclared war in a way. And and as you say, the, the lead performance from Michelle de Swartz, she plays it like very authentically, this woman who has no interest yeah. in children at all. And I don't know, again, having not seen as many as Dawn, whether that's the abiding theme of all of these women that the baby attaches himself to is that they're similar in character because we see flashbacks to how the baby has ended up with its last two carers uh, before Natasha. You can feel that sort of paranoia as well through the performance, which I really liked, you know, the increasing like what's going on, as you said, Will, the, the sort of the Twilight Zone-esque nature of, of this. But it's definitely one that I found the most, probably the most compelling of what we watched this week. Or maybe between this and The Girl from Plainfield, but this, you can't put this in any sort of box. This is a, mm. a completely original idea. Feels very fresh. Having had a look at the reviews, it seems to have sort of divided people, which I'm not surprised by, because I think depending on who you are, you might have a different opinion of the themes here. But yeah, like you two, I'm definitely going to, carry on and dawn again has almost finished the series which yeah. <laughs> um, see, if but... i give the background of, to the baby as a standalone episode on its own it is amazing so i definitely say stick it out uh, which episode get... sorry dawn episode five five okay but, really incredible so. but yeah i i, I would definitely i think this one had the biggest impression on me just because it was so different yeah, definitely. And, and Will's also going to catch up, you said. Yeah. Well, that's the baby, as I said, actually on the same time as the, as the Undeclared War, I think 9pm on Thursday nights. But it is all available to uh, now uh, subscribers as well. Uh, that's the end of the show. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Will and Dawn, for joining us. Do you want to just quickly uh, run through your Twitters? 
Yeah, you can get me on at DonGlen2. You can get me on Twitter at WBarbaTaylor. And I am at Matt's TV Bites. The site is at LukeCustardTV and the podcast at Custard TV Podcast. Reminder again to vote for us at the British Podcast Awards. We will be back, I think, next week with uh, reviews of BBC One's Control Room and the final season of Better Things, which is going to be on BBC Two. Uh, But that's it from us for now. Thank you very much and goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.